A very good morning on behalf of Teach 613. We welcome you to Take 10 for Talmud. Gitin Mem Aleph, Gitin 41a, pagination is 81. We're starting from the bottom of the page, three lines from the bottom, Masnisin, a new Mishnah. Misha Chetzio Eved Vechetzio Ben Chodin. A person was half slave, half free. We're talking about an Eved Kenani, a non-Jewish slave to a Jewish master, and he somehow is half slave and half free. How does that come to be? And the answer would be that two people purchased this Eved together as partners, and one of them freed the Eved, either intentionally, he freed him for whatever reason, or that partner was a ger, a convert, meaning no relatives at all, and therefore upon his death, that half of the servitude went free and wasn't inherited by anybody else. Now, we did mention on other occasions, and it's going to come up here in this Mishnah, Le'olam bohem ta'avodu, there is a mitzvah to remain in that servitude for life, and that normally, under normal circumstances, there would not be a freedom that's occurring. The exceptions would be for some reason that has to be, or there's a case in the Chumash where damage was done to the slave, and the slave therefore goes free. But whatever the case may be, we have a case where he's half slave, half free, and it ends up with a landmark ruling, as we will see. The first approach to this situation is Ovedes Rabo Yom Echad Ves Atzmo Yom Echad Divri Besilo. Besilo in this case paskind that the finances of the situation are very simple. He simply serves his master one day serves himself one day, and it's not much different than if they were partners in owning him. Now he owns that second share, and financially we have it all worked out. It's worth noting that philosophically there's a challenge here. Emotionally, there's a challenge here. What would the attitude of this Eved be on the day that he's free, he's allowed to be an entrepreneur and he's trying to be creative and be a free person and do his own thing, earn money, make his own schedule. And on the day that he's a slave, he's supposed to be very obedient and taking direction from the master, unless, of course, the master directs him to be an entrepreneur on his behalf. But... Somehow, Basilel in the original ruling did not have a problem with this status that the slave is half free, half slave. Again, it goes without saying, as we often mention, we don't have slavery and it's just not a player, but because they did have it in much earlier times, we end up with a ruling that is instructive 
of a totally different topic, which is what we are after. If you rule like Beis Hillel, half, half, you worked it out for the master. The finances have been worked out. But you haven't really worked it out for the person, the Evid. Lisa Shivcha Efsha, to marry a maidservant, another slave, a female slave, he can't do that. Because half of him is free. And to marry a free woman, he can't, a regular Jewish woman. Because half of him is a slave. It's a situation reminiscent of Siamese twins ethical issues of how they could possibly get married. Yivato, you want to tell me that he shouldn't get married? The mitzvah of Peruravu is standing upon him. He needs to do it. Half of him is a free person and he's obligated in Peruravu to be fruitful and multiply to marry. Shenemar, as the Pesach says, Lo Hashem did not create the world for nothing. He created it to be populated. We view the world like a grand ballroom that Hashem created. And it's like a wedding that He's serving food. And what would be if no one shows up? It's very painful. Hashem created to be the host. He wants it to be populated. So this is a fundamental mitzvah, the Mishnah is saying. Because of Tikkun Ha'olam, we force the master, he has to set him free. But because the master didn't do anything wrong, the slave has to write a document, an IOU, on half of his value because he has to basically buy himself free, but we don't wait for him to accumulate that amount of money to buy himself free. He could do a payment plan of whatever type we work out, but right now you got to set him free. And Basilel retracted their original ruling of one day, one day, and they agreed that the correct procedure over here would be to rule like Beishamai say, to set the slave free and to work out the finances separately. Now, the Mishnah quoted two reasons regarding be fruitful and multiply. One reason was Peru Urivu, and the second is Losovra Loshevas Yitzara. Losovara applies to all of humanity. It's a basic concept. Hashem wants population. Piryavarivya is a mitzvah directed at the free part of this Eved. And in Halacha, it's brought that this ruling of Beishamai only applies to a male Eved and not to a female Eved, because even though she would have Losahuvara, but she would not have Piryavarivya 
as a mitzvah. And what seems to be going on over here in this Mishnah is that the reason that we have to set him free is because of period of Rivya, and we prove that it is a great mitzvah. Like in Tamei HaMitzvahs, we prove it's a great mitzvah from Losovara, but Losovara is not a tzivui. It's rather an attitude. And on the attitude, you would not be able to set the Eved free from the Master and force him to do a prohibition of the Torah of Laolam Bohem Ta'avodu. The only way you could force him to do that prohibition for this Eved is because it's a mitzvah pruravu, which we know from Lo that it's a very big and significant mitzvah in the terms of Talmudic literature, a mitzvah rabbah, a great mitzvah. But again, it would not apply to a female evid. Tosfus, towards the bottom of the page, Dibra Maschel Kofin, asks the big question over here, which is, V'im tomar, v'chi omrim la'odam chatei k'dei sheyizke chaveirecho. Do we say to one person, sin, so that your friend shall benefit? In other words, we're turning to the master and saying, you should do the violation of la'olam ba'em ta'avodu, that going against that mitzvah, in order that the Eved, who's half-half, should be able to have the benefit of being able to marry. Is that true? Teisvis asks. Do we really do such things? And he asks from a case of Hidbik Pas Betanur, where a person put a clump of dough onto the wall of an oven by Shabbos, and it is going to bake, in which case the person who put it there will be liable for a high-level Shabbos violation, and someone else can do ridias hapas, removing the dough from the wall of the oven before it bakes, in order to save the other fellow from the Shabbos violation, because if it gets pulled off, it won't bake. And we don't say that. We don't say that a person should do a sin in order to save someone else from a sin. And Teisvah says an important principle. Teisvah says it has to do with low pasha. If a person did not do anything wrong, then we are willing to save them by doing a biblical prohibition to protect them from a greater prohibition. And all of this has to be weighed out and calculated, whether it's a mitzvah derabbanon that we're doing on his behalf to protect him, or a mitzvah deoraisa that we're doing to protect him. But it shows up in Mishnabura Simon Shin Vav, where the case was that they were pulling a Jew out of the Jewish community against their will. And the question was, can the community galvanize and violate Shabbos in order to save this person? Because if the person gets taken, 
it will be an Isura Rabbah, they're going to be taken from the Jewish community for a long period of time. So, we'll violate one Shabbos in order to save many Shabbosos and many mitzvahs, etc. And the Mishnabura writes in Sifkatan Nunvav, Kaimalon, we have a general rule, got to be careful how to apply it, but the rule is, if the person in question that we're looking to protect or save did not do anything wrong, you have to do a small Avera in order that his friend should not end up with a big violation against their will. Avalim Pasha but if the person did do something wrong to bring this whole thing upon them, then it's a whole different ruling, and then we would make a distinction, for example, between mitzvahs de Oraisa and mitzvahs de Rabbonon. Yeshe thank you for joining.